Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast that covers magic, houseplants, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. So as we all know, love is in the air or, you know, the power of the wolves with Lupercalia. Um, Mm -hmm. So in honor of the cheesiest holiday season of them all, today I'm going to be talking about, of course, roses and Aphrodite. And I'm going to be talking about self-love magic, how love magic can go wrong, and um, questionable practices from Twitter uh, regarding channeled love messages, which, you know, uh, <laughs> but we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, so I thought it would be fun, though, for the intro, Shannon, to say, like, what fictional couple do you just, like, rips your heart out every time? Oh, man, what fictional couple? I mean, oh, God, that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to catch you a little off guard with this one. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say for me, it's probably like, I would honestly say maybe it's like Howl from Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, that's a good one. Like, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like um, his relationship with, Oh my god, why am I blinking on the Sophie. Sophie, yes, thank you. The old old lady Sophie, not really an old lady. I feel like Hal's relationship with Sophie is like it's heartbreaking and in particular in the book because in the book it's much more obvious that he knows who she is the whole time. I think a little bit more than it is maybe in the movie. And like the idea that she just couldn't see herself as somebody worthy of being loved, like number one, I am clearly someone who has felt that way. I would assume most people are, but just the way that they do it is like, uh, I don't know. I I also have like a real soft spot for like kind of broken, like boy characters. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What's, what's yours? Um, so I actually thought about this a little bit because because it's my question. I was not caught yeah. off guard. So I was going right. to say uh, Fred and Sam from Crashing. Okay. Okay. Which I think I made you watch Crashing a few years back. And yeah. I was it's- definitely crying. But, um, you know, I know that's not like everyone's thing. And I know it's like super duper toxic because the whole time Sam is like pretending to be straight. So I guess he's by in the series. Like definitely hooks up with phoebe waller bridge but um you know it's um you know it's it's kind of like the this whole like teasing thing that's very appealing to me as an aries like the whole time he's like teasing fred about being gay and kind of like you could just tell but then okay so there's like this thing in the show though where like fred goes to the hospital and then like sam is there like crying at his bedside and just he gets like sought like after being this like hard ass and being like so, you know, kind of like playfully mean. It's playful yeah. meanness just like melts in this like moment in the hospital. And it's just like I just I just cry every time I watch that show, honestly, when they like kiss at the end. Yeah. I, I, lo- I love a will they won't they situation. No, that's totally fair. That's another really good one. I feel like um, if you want to talk about two like romantic couples from you know various media i don't know that we could have chosen two more different stories yes. either, yeah, yeah, yeah. which i think is is really fun um 
Yeah. So I do want to also like let people know we're recording this on a Monday, which mm, is mm-hmm. different. So just so everyone knows, this is like kind of exciting. We're it's in bulk. Happy in bulk, Nick. Yes, yes, and happy in bulk to you. I know you're yeah. having your in bulk dinner tonight. I am. Yeah, we're doing like a candlelit dinner, and I'm I made some bread that's like homemade sourdough that we're gonna have. I think it's gonna be really lovely. We're keeping it pretty chill, obviously, because I don't know. It's uh, it's been a weird year, but I am gonna do some like smoke cleansing this weekend, sort of as like an honoring of like the season change. I also have been meaning to like re up like the protection work around my house. And so I'm also going to do that this weekend. But in bulk being on a Monday is also kind of a rough go because man, uh, who feels like really going hard on a Monday? <laughs> right. It's like, uh, mm, you know, like this would this would have been great for like a Saturday. Uh, what, are, what are we right? doing? <laughs> right. Agreed. So anyway, all that to say, I am excited to like be talking about this stuff because it is such a weird season, right? It's like all about spring and rebirth. And then there's this weird Valentine's Day holiday that is like has become so obviously commercialized that it's like not fun anymore. Yeah, but it's really not. I know. And, you know, it's I think it's good to have your own traditions like every year. Um, Eric and I, we buy steak and lobster tails like at Whole Foods and just like cook at home and watch a movie. And I mean, honestly, the scoop here is if you go on Valentine's Day, a lot of places have their lobster tails on sell on sale because they always overbuy for the season. Oh, sure. And so you can usually get like a two for one type discount and stuff. It's really uh I've I've really enjoyed that like weird little hack that we found when we were broke college students first dating, but we still act like broke college students most of the time. Um. <laughs> also, I mean, I just you know, it's like a it you would pay so much for that at a fancy steakhouse, and yeah, neither of those is like really hard things to do. No, exactly, exactly, and it's like honestly probably better because you know I, I feel like it's so hard to find good lobster like in a restaurant just because like it's so easy to fuck it up especially on like holidays when they're usually like bulk cooking things a lot more than they normally do also it's like if you fuck it up you just make lobster mac and cheese there you go people that's a hot tip from uh yours truly i mean quite the hot tip but (laughs) all all of that to say i feel like there are some things that like we all obviously think of though and so when we were talking about doing this episode i was like well duh roses have to be the plant that i talk about because duh right (laughs) well it's Uh, also like everywhere has roses they're one of those plants that's just like ubiquitous yeah there's like there are tens of thousands of different types of roses it's really crazy so you know there's There's something, too, I find that's, like, so alluring about growing roses. I think, you know, in media and movies and stuff, it's always, like, either someone that's very intense that has a beautiful rose garden or it's, like, very romantic wild rose bushes. So I feel like there's also just something so, like, literary and romantic about actual rose bushes as opposed to, like, you know, just super overpriced bouquets. Oh, yeah. You know, I used to have this neighbor who would come down to the rose bushes at my apartment complex. Uh, He lived upstairs, so he couldn't just do it off his balcony. And he would literally trim, like, cute roses just to have, like, a few roses on his table. And I was like, 
first of all, you have no business being that cute and being straight right? and like <laughs> harvesting roses for your dining table like that. Um, uh, that's precious. And there there are so many beautiful rose bushes all over Park La Brea too. And I feel like they're a plant that also I think has a lot of like a lot of fear around growing them because, you know, some roses are notoriously finicky and I think that it really scares people off. But this was also a cool opportunity for me to get to do a little bit more research because I do want to eventually get like real proper outdoor rose bushes. But I did just pick up one of like those cute miniature rose bushes you can find at Trader Joe's and it has this like really big, beautiful rose that already opened up, which I posted on our on our Instagram. And I'm going to work on keeping that one alive. But for me, it's like roses have been something I've wanted to do for a long time, but it's always felt like it was going to be this huge investment. And I also kind of like helped demystify it for myself a little bit doing this research, which was really nice. You know, with those tiny rose bushes, I've always wanted to get like a tiny little vase and then put like a tiny little vase of roses somewhere. Oh my God, that would be so cute. I do have a lot of like, I got this uh, honey sampler at Trader Joe's. I think I've talked about it before. And it has these like adorable little like glass containers that the honey came in. And I feel like they would be perfect for that. But I do have some just like regular size dried roses on my altar. They're like something that I do keep in my altar space kind of like year round because I do like to work with like, you know, Hecate. And I feel like having dried roses are just such a Hecatean mood to me but I also have a lot of like big green living plants on my altar and so I feel like having the dried flowers kind of helps bring a little bit of balance to it so it's not all just life 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 it's also like bringing some of that like life death balance into my space um but Which is a, wait, I mean you can't you can't have like a more beautiful life death balance than dried flowers because there's still very pretty. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think for me, at least in my magical practice, I do really try to like find that balance between things because I do, I feel like the whole like love and light spirituality, witchcraft can be like very toxic in a lot of ways. And it's it's also like cloyingly sweet. Yeah. It's, and it's just so inauthentic. It really is. So, you know, I think it's important to just remember that there are two sides you know, it's like you can't have the light without the darkness. Anyway, again, that was a hell of a rabbit trail. But all that to say, roses are awesome and I love them. And like I said, there's tens of thousands of different varieties. So I'm not going to get into it. And they all have like adorable different names. But the Latin name for the rose is just Rosa, which I think is like wonderful. It's like simple, elegant, just Rosa. That's the the overall Latin name. We and love her. I know we love Rosa doesn't isn't there like a Rosa's like in Texas where you can get fresh homemade like handmade tortillas oh yeah Yeah. okay I was like because I just read that and I was like man I want a tortilla um (laughs) anyway I I also thought it was fun that they the oldest um rose bush that they they think at least the oldest rose bush that's still living is a thousand years old and it's located at the wall of the Hildesheim Cathedral in Germany which now is a goal for me to go see this like thousand year old rose bush. Um, and one of the most important things when you're thinking about roses, again, it's like with any flowering plant, just like make sure you can give it the sun that it needs. You know, even if you're just getting the like small potted roses, I think 
Like first and foremost, just make sure that you have a space that gets about six hours of sunlight a day. Otherwise, you're just setting yourself up for failure and that's going to make you sad and make you not want to try again. And I don't want anybody to get, you know, defeated with plants. Of course, everybody has plants die, but I feel like something about a rose bush dying just feels like an epic failure. I, I, I will say, you know, with the the getting enough light thing, what my mom has always done with, with her rose bushes is plant them along the fence line because the fence line by virtue of being a fence lion, gets so much sun. Oh, yeah. I love uh, that. And then also the the vines will kind of fill in. Yeah. And you end up with like a nice bit of coverage on a chain link fence that way as well. Yeah, they're such a beautiful privacy plant. And, you know, I'm going to talk way, about... Uh, way, way better than a boxwood. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. It's like, why would you want a boxwood? Why would you want like... A bunch of bamboo that will slowly take over the world when you can get a rose bush. Oh, oh my god, we cannot talk about it now, but the bamboo at the parks in Austin that has crept in from people's yards is literally choking out like the local ecosystem. Uh, so it's invasive. Bamboo is dangerous. Stop Be careful. It. Right? So anyway, <laughs> back to the basic care. Like Number one, make sure you get at least six hours of sunlight. Um, shocking to no one, roses need to be planted in, you know, like a rich, well-draining soil, which honestly kind of feels like it's a bit of a catchphrase at this point. Um, and you're going to want to plant roses in general while they're dormant. So either in early spring or in the fall, um, I'm planning to do some early spring roses myself. Um, no. Since potted roses tend to do better when they're planted in the spring, just because their roots don't, you know, immediately get cold. That is something to keep in mind with like potted plants, right? It's like because they're not in the ground, they're going to be a lot more affected by temperature fluctuations. Um, but I'm not even going into, you know, growing roses from seed. I have tried and epically failed because there's a really like specific type of like stratification period they need where you like have to keep them cold and keep them in the dark and then you have to move them back and forth. And I tried and man, it just didn't work. And I did not want to go through the trauma of revisiting all of the ways that I'm sure I fucked that up. So we're just going to talk about getting roses that are either bare root or potted. So um, if you buy your plant bare root, something to keep in mind is you do need to soak the roots in water for at least 24 hours prior to planting. So just make sure that you're building in the time. You know, you can't go out and like buy these roses on a Saturday morning and plant them that afternoon. You do just need to give that stick time. them in the ground. Right, exactly. They are a little bit more, you know, I guess finicky than some plants because of course with like most arrowids, it's like just stick it in some dirt and it's fine. But you gotta like, these are lovely ladies. You gotta like be a little bit tender. So no matter how they come though, you do need to plant it at least two feet deep. So either make some space in your pot that's big enough for the roots or dig a hole that's big enough. And then you're going to want to like backfill the hole with soil. So just, you know, all of that to say, you're not just like going to kind of like shimmy it down into some loose soil. You really need to like dig the hole, put the roots in and then backfill. So you're not damaging the roots as much. Um, and if the plant isn't actively growing, which it shouldn't be, you're going to want to mound up some additional soil around the base of the plant. So, you know, that's just going to help with, you know, number one, especially if you're in your colder places, it's going to help you sort of like protect the roots if it is going into like the fall. But if you're in a, you know, if you're planting them in the spring or you're in a warmer place, having that mound also just helps provide like extra support for the plant while it's establishing. 
Um, I tend to do that with most plants that I plant outdoors in general. I find that it's just like kind of a good practice. Um, and watering. I mean, I think, I I think we all need a little support while we're, while we're grounding ourselves, you know, same. The number of times I'm like half awake in the morning, propping myself up on the counter to do my like morning grounding, uh, basically every day. Um, watering just like it is for us is very important for roses as well. They do need at least like an inch of water every week throughout their growing season, which, you know, begins in spring or following your spring planting. And watering with roses is one of the other ways that people like notoriously screw up. And I just know this from I've number one, I have given diseases to small rose bushes before. Um, but I feel like if anybody is into plants at all, you know, all about like black spot and powdery mildew with roses. Like those are the things that like kill them dead. That's mostly caused from keeping the foliage wet. So you're going to want to water like near the base of the plant. You know, this isn't a plant you want to just like pop it in your shower or like use your big like spray water hose on. Like you really need to be careful just because once they get some of these like fungi, some of these fungi, honestly, it's like usually game over. Like most home growers aren't able to recover from that. So just like treat it as a bit of a, you know, as a bit of a meditation, perhaps. You know, I'm I'm thinking about that episode of King of the Hill where Bobby Hill is trying to grow a competition rose. <laughs> I love Bobby Hill. Bobby Hill is goals. Um, so you're gonna want to fertilize these, of course. Um, I would look for a fertilizer. You can find plenty of fertilizers that are really specific to roses, but if not one that's you know specifically for roses, I would also look for one that has um that's like marked for flowering plants just because it does have like different levels of nitrogen and things that really help with like the blooms as opposed to the foliage. And you can find a lot of different types of fertilizers, like even just at like Lowe's or Home Depot. Um, and worst case, you know, if you like don't want to get anything specialized, I shouldn't say worst case, I should say alternatively, if you're super into like, you know, like worm uh, castings or like bat guano or any type of like organic fertilizer, you can also just make a tea. But again, it's like with things that you're really trying to get to flower, I would say take the extra step just because their nutritional needs are really different than most of our house plants. And if you need to overwinter them, you're going to want to mulch the base of the plant. And so that helps with like water retention. Also, though, if you're in a really dry climate and something this is like really nerdy, but humidity levels really vary a lot in places because cold air can hold less moisture. So even if you're in a place like, you know, Texas, that historically is like pretty humid, you've got to remember that, you know, by the time winter comes, your plants have become accustomed to a certain humidity level that humidity level is going to drop in the winter when it gets colder. So mulching also just helps keep that moisture retained because no matter where you live, colder water holds or colder air holds less moisture. Um, And as we all have learned from the queen of hearts in Alice in Wonderland, pruning is vital. We're not going to be painting our roses any, you know, funny colors, but When you're pruning, you're going to go through, you're going to make your cut about a quarter of an inch above the bud eyes and then prune out any like twiggy or unhealthy branches. You basically want to start pruning like as soon as your buds begin to appear in the spring, because this is sort of how you're training the plant and shaping it. Um, If you, you know, go hard, you can like make some really beautifully shaped rose bushes. Like I've seen some gorgeous stuff online. Again, way better than boxwoods. Right? So- 
I think in addition to being, you know, just like gorgeous, uh, roses also have some really cool medicinal uses. And I didn't really realize how useful they were, but like they do things like help soothe irritated skin, soothe sore throats. Uh, They have antiseptic properties, which help prevent and treat infections. They're full of a lot of antioxidants, which means they're good, you know, like preventing cell damage. Uh, They can help heal scars, burns, and cuts. They have antibacterial properties. There's been some research that indicates they might also have strong antidepressant and anti-anxiety properties. They help relieve headache, aid digestion, and can prevent stomach problems. And rose hips are incredibly high in vitamin C. Mmm. I, I love I love a rose hip. Uh, they've got rose hips in Perfect Night, which is one of my favorite herbal teas. Oh God, rose hips are so good. I also use um, cold pressed rose hip oil on my hands at night uh, because mm-hmm. it's luxurious. But you can also get some from. Uh, oh God, why am I blinking on the name? It's the really basic skincare brand, The Ordinary. You can get oh okay some- yeah yeah. Yeah, The Ordinary uh, carries cold-pressed rosehip oil. So some people use it on their face. It doesn't work for me that way, but um, I use it on my hands because hands are a place where aging becomes really apparent and we do not think about them enough. Not me looking at my my old-ass hands. (laughs) Dude, same. Every morning I look at my hands and I'm like, why are my hands 40? I'm not even 30 yet. I'm not that old, but my hands are... (laughs) My hands are liars. Get some rosehip oil for your hands, children. Um, Okay, so this is a podcast, though, about magic. Mm. And roses are associated with the element water, the planet Venus, and the signs Libra, Taurus, and Cancer. And I just have to say, like, roses have such big Libra energy, right? Uh, Yeah, I would say of those three, I mean, it's like the, the Venus thing is there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, man. Anyway, uh, they're also great for work, though, and things like self-love, which I know Nick is talking about a little bit later. Um, Dream magic, healing, healthy relationships, protection, purification, and drumroll, please. Mm -hmm. Romantic love. Um, No one saw that one coming, right? Uh, A lot of a lot of things have been written that actually suggest that roses have the most positive energy of any living thing on the planet. And honestly, I might buy it because I don't know of any other plant that's more like universally loved. Like if someone told me they didn't like roses, like full stop, didn't like roses, I don't think I would trust them. I, it's literally the only plant that regularly in my personal life stops me in my tracks. And I, I do a lot of... uh walking because i tend to take public transportation and bike everywhere but i will stop for like a good two or three minutes to check out a really nice rose and in texas people grow them everywhere i mean it's it's a good filler plant here because i mean we have the conditions to neglect roses and still grow them the yellow rose of texas it's true uh but I mean, yeah, it's suspicious if you don't like roses because I've literally been stopped in, and I see them almost every day. Yeah. I've been stopped in my tracks by a beautiful rose. Oh, yeah. The first um, the first spring that I was here when I moved into Park La Brea and I walked, I was walking um, my dog and I saw all of the rose bushes blooming. I was like, holy shit, this is magical. And like California has beautiful plants. Like we have so many birds of paradise in this place and birds of paradise are very loud and I still love them and they're very obvious, but like the type of beauty of a rose bush is just really special. So 
you know, I think I would buy that they have the most positive energy of any living thing. Um, so when you're thinking about your magical practice, though, you can use dried or fresh roses, as well as rose water, which love it on my face. We talked about it being good for anti-aging because it's good for, you know, helping with your cell death, uh, helping with cell turnover. Um, you can also get the essential oil, but I'm not going to really talk about it because that shit is like hella expensive. And it's because it takes like 6,000 to 8,000 pounds of petals to produce about two pounds of rose oil. God damn. Yeah. Rose hip oil is a different it's a different thing. You can find that, you know, a little bit more affordable, but like, like actual rose essential oil is like, I wouldn't spend that much money. Personally. That's a, that's a statistic. That's like yeah. three tons. It's yeah. It's three like or you four have tons. To have, you have to have like three or four elephants worth of rose petals. Isn't that insane? It just like blows my mind. When I, when I found that out initially, I was like, well, no shit. No wonder that stuff's so expensive, but also like, I'm good. I'm good. Um, so a few ideas of ways to like use roses in your practice. Um, you can stuff a love poppet with dried petals. Um, you could add dried or fresh rose petals to an attraction bath. Um, you could use a piece of a thorny stem for a bad habit banishing spell. Uh, beauty spells are really great for this. Um, you can also use them in offerings to Aphrodite, Adonis, uh, Eros, Venus. And uh, I do want to say here, if you're planning to use them in something that you're going to like put on your skin or like get in a bath with it, I really like, I cannot stress enough that you do need to like use organic here or at least know the source of them because those like bouquets that they sell at the big box stores and stuff this time of year are like completely drenched in like pesticides. Like they're the chemicals that they go, that they put on those things to keep them fresh so they can, you know, produce millions of roses for one, you know, big holiday it's like it's intense. So like for your own health, please don't it's for, use it's like for your health. those. Yeah, it's it's for your health. Um, so I did want to talk about like the sort of thing that I'm going to walk through real quick is how to make your own magical rose water. And really, all you need are rose petals and filtered water. So it's something that's really easy. You can find the you can find the stuff pretty. Um, I think it's pretty readily available for most people. So you're going to need two cups of fresh rose petals. Or if you're using dry, just half a cup, you know, it's kind of like with, uh, kind of like with herbs, right? When you're using fresh, you're just going to need more. Um, and you can find like dried rose petals online that are, you know, food quality that are, you know, pretty abundant. So I mean, what uh, uh, honestly, you can usually get dried rose, uh, that's food quality dried rose, uh, at a lot of tea shops as well, because yeah. they will, they will like make their blends with it. It's, uh, an herbal tea in its own right, dried dried rose, uh, yeah. well, specifically rose hips. But I would say for, for this kind of application, though, if you were to go to a tea shop and buy some, you know, some ounces, I'd, I'm not sure the ounces to cups, but I would say like an ounce of rose hips is probably about a cup's worth. Uh, yeah, yeah. Might be, I, might be a good place to look as well. That's a great, I mean, and that's a great, a great idea, too. So all you're going to do, though, is take your rose petals or your, you know, your dried or your fresh rose petals or rose hips, and you're going to add them to the water um, in a small pot. So you're going to do about three cups of water. 
you're going to want to stand, you know, there at your stove, or you can start this at your altar and really like infuse your intention into this potion. You know, I think if you're wanting to do something like attracting, to like attract abundance or wealth or happiness or love, you know, it's great for attraction, uh, self-love, whatever you're wanting to put into it, you're just going to like really focus, feel it, get it all charged up. Then you're going to put a lid on the pot and boil it until all of the color has leached out of the petals. And that can take like 20 to 30 minutes. Um, just keep an eye on it. And it's also great, I think, when you're doing stuff like this to just stay with it and like keep moving with that like intention and focus, you know, kind of like keep that energy going the whole time. And once that's happened, just take it off the heat, let the water completely cool. Uh, and then you're going to strain it through a cheesecloth or a mesh strainer. And you can take this and you can store it in like a spray bottle in the fridge for up to two weeks. And my first thought was like, if you had a hangover and you wanted to like spritz yourself with some fresh cold rose water, how amazing would that be? Um, but if you want to save it for longer, you can also freeze it into ice cubes. And if you want to think about making, you know, maybe another magical cocktail, you could add those ice cubes to like a wine spritzer. Like how cute would that? And you could even put like an actual, like another fresh rose petal or rose hip into the ice cube, you know, the mm. little cube before you pour mm -hmm. the water in. How precious. I was, I was actually really excited to see this suggestion because I was actually just telling Ben uh, that I'm having trouble with my ice maker. And so I've been having to buy ice for my wine spritzers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is uh, this is a very timely suggestion for me. Yeah. And it's like the right time of year for it. And I mean, you always have like you've always got the the skinny on the good tea places. Um, so anyway, I just I used some pretty basic resources for this today. Gardeningknowhow.com. Of course, Green Witchcraft by Paige Vanderbeck. Uh, Moodymoons.com and Wiccanow.com. Wiccanow. So wicca now not so later that's, that's <laughs> roses i mean i think roses are really um they're pretty straightforward using them in your magical practice and i just want to say like everything that i researched leads me to believe that they're not actually super scary to grow things like worrying about the acidity of the soil and stuff is a lot more important if you're somebody who's like trying to be bobby and grow a championship rose like yes you know, take take a break on yourself and just go for it. Go for it. Don't, I, don't be I would afraid. say they seem scarier to start than keep because I, I know once you have an established bush, it's really just maintenance at that point. Yeah, no, totally. And and like I also said, I just want to like remind everybody that like even people that have been gardening or raising plants for a long time, we all still kill stuff. So also just like don't beat yourself up. Take it, it easy. Yeah. Take it, it easy happens. on yourself. You'll learn something. Every plant I've ever killed has taught me a lesson. So and you <laughs> anyway. Know, so taking it easy on yourself is kind of the theme of my segment, though, too. Yeah. So I we're was talking so, about I was gonna say I was so stoked when you wanted to cover this this week. So we're talking self-love. Because I think during this season where all you see is like commercials for Valentine's Day or like those very annoying people who get booed up just in time, you know, to go out on like a perfect Instagram date with someone that they're likely never going to see again. But they just have to let you know that they're not alone on Valentine's Day. And so you just kind of bombarded with all this stuff of like, gosh, why am I single? Why am I so alone? 
let me get blackout drunk and text my ex. But no, no, no. This year, this year, we are not going to get blackout drunk. We're not going to text our exes because we love ourselves. Mm. And we wanted to cover self-love magic as a topic because, as the famous quote goes, if you can't love yourself, how the hell is anyone else going to? Oh, it's like, yeah, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell, how in the hell are you going to love anyone else? Right. Um, yeah, it's like RuPaul, can I get an amen? You have to yes. love yourself, man. But also for your magic, you know, it's like if you don't love yourself, how could you be a, like you can't be a powerful witch? You can do magic, but you won't be powerful like you truly deserve to be. Yeah. And so before I kind of even dive into that, I wanted to share an epiphany that I had while I was reading all of the self-love spells that I could get my hands on. And so but first, I am going to stop and say that some of this is things that I've definitely learned, but with a magical twist, but in no way constitutes professional mental health guidance or advice. So shout out to my therapist for telling me ways that I can love myself better. But yeah. I'm not I am not your therapist. Yeah. Big ups to all the therapists. But Nick and I are, again, not medical professionals. <laughs> right. So uh, what was bugging me, though, on this one, though, was that since there is so much self-love magic out there, so many spells, incantations, processes that people could be doing to better love themselves, it should be pretty easy on paper. And yet when we're out here in the world, we don't seem to run across just like multitudes of people who really have that self-love vibe. So I started thinking, like, what are the stumbling blocks here? And so I think if we're going into doing self-love magic, it might just be a good idea to step back and talk about focus. So we kind of want to talk about removing some of those obstacles. And if this is something that you, you kind of have that nagging voice in your head that's like telling you you don't deserve any of this or, you know, that you're not like worthy of even treating yourself in that way. And so we, we really need to focus on this. So like, let's get that, that Adderall uh, cramming for a test energy, right? Uh, yeah. And I think it's important too, like when you start this process, like whether you're doing it in therapy or you're not, you know, or if this is something you're just doing like for your magical practice, doing on your own, there's going to be a lot of emotions that come up and that's mm -hmm. okay. Like you're not weird for crying when you think about the reasons you feel like you're not worthy of love. That is a normal human emotion. And I think we also live in such a like shame culture around mm -hmm. any sort of like real emotional feeling. So just like be gentle on yourself. Like this is, it's hard work to like go through this type of like, mental exercise and yeah i think we we all have that desire and the willpower to practice self-love but there's something inside many of us that even on subconscious levels is just holding us back or putting our attention elsewhere so what we need to do is put our self-saboteur in timeout and really focus on this yeah, my self-sabotage is a fucking cunt, and that bitch does not get to drive all the time anymore. Yeah, it it's like, stop being so loud. Stop being so loud. Like, how dare you? How dare you? 
So I was thinking like, if you're going to be embarking on this journey of working on something like this, it might be a good idea to get some quartz about your body. Uh, quartz comes to mind as a crystal that's been known to promote a clear head and allowing you to effectively visualize things that you're trying to manifest in your mind's eye. Yeah. Uh, no, I think quartz is such a like such a good first choice crystal too. If you're like building a new crystal collection, mm-hmm. this is a great multi-purpose one to start with. too. Yeah, there's a lot totally. of stuff you can do with like a good point of quartz. Yes, totally. And tiger's eye is another one that comes up a lot when people are like trying to study and keep their minds from wandering. That like that focus of the predator almost like yeah. zeroing in on something is I the idea. It. Yeah, we uh, have um we have a prosperity crystal bowl on our uh, coffee table because it's in God I forget which it is for feng shui. I think it's like the southeast corner of the house. Um. But yeah, it, there's a lot of tiger's eye in there in addition to like some other crystals. But when I saw that, I was like, oh man, yeah, because, you know, prosperity, focus. Mm-hmm. And then hematite is known for grounding your energies and helping to prevent brain fog by literally absorbing some of that chaotic energy and leaving behind that cleaner, more useful energy for you to work with. Um, so if you're if you're a crystal head, that could be something you could bring into this process to really be like ready and focused on doing it. Um, and unlike the more mundane side of things, I always find it helpful when I really need to focus on something to reach for some tea. Now, tea has caffeine, which has that rejuvenating effect on your mental state, but uh, it also has that dose of theanine, which makes alpha waves in your brain, which is a more sustained and workable focus state than coffee or energy drinks, because it's just less jittery. It's less jittery, more grounding. Yeah. And it's, I feel like tea, you can also think about doing something that's like a lavender tea or something Mm, that really mm -hmm. like... If you're not wanting a caffeinated tea, there's also, it's like maybe do a rosehip tea. You know, I think that tea is also just so much more diverse in the options. And you can really also think about, you know, the herbal blends and their magical properties as well. And then also, you know, it's like while you're preparing for this, it's like you need to think about what is scaring you about Mm. taking the step towards loving yourself like what what is what is actually holding you back is it anxiety like what is it um so it might even be a good idea before you even start this process to do a spell jar that's just for focus and mental clarity yeah because i mean it's like if you're gonna take a step like this you really want to have good clear focused intentions uh So and all honest of, all, intentions <laughs> and honest intentions. And you have to be honest with yourself because who yeah. else can you be honest with? Yeah. And I know that's I feel like that's sometimes the hardest part when you get started on this. Like you mentioned, really trying to confront the things that you're afraid of and like becoming aware of them. And I think that that is a, a very good practice for so many things in life. And, you know, I think this type of work is just going to, you know, it's really going to spiral out and help you in a lot of ways yeah it's like it's like you know these are these are these are tips that you could apply elsewhere yeah uh in other areas of your practice like if you're worried about going into something you need to address that before you just do it 
Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, you know, it's like, I know all of my fire sign babies just want to jump into things. And it's good for us to actually take that moment. I mean, like, yeah. what am I, what am I scared of? Well, and on the flip side, I think us earthy babies and, you know, I think a lot of people too, it's like, you tend to get that sort of like the fear that prevents you from doing anything. And I think yeah, cause you overthink exercise, it beforehand. Exactly. You talk and yourself out of it. The exercise for that is like, instead of just examining like what you're afraid of, I think it can also be helpful to really get down to the root of your fears because you'll often find, at least for me, it's like so many of my pieces of anxiety point to like my root fear that I'm not worthy. And I think that that can be a really helpful exercise here too, because, you know, there's so many like really surface level fears you could have, but especially when you're doing self-love, it's like, you need to know what the actual deep seated problem is because if you just fix those like sort of top level anxieties and you don't get to some of like these core fears you carry around it's not you're not actually addressing anything you know of substance yeah it's like you're not setting the bag down by doing that you're still yeah. holding on to the baggage yeah you need to set it down yeah you're just cracking it open in that case and like pulling out like one old receipt <laughs> you're like well that's that's cleaned out all right moving yeah. on <laughs> exactly but no uh so before we get into the actual spell work uh we did want to mention that the moon is in a waning phase right this very moment all of my babies the moon is waning so the self-reflective energy of this moon phase is a perfect complement to this kind of casting so literally right now is a good time to do this or think about it get your supplies save it for the next time the moon is in the waning phase uh yeah. so i love the waning moon too because if you hold your hand up as a c the waning moon is like going into the left side of your hand which is like where your heart is which i oh. also think is just like a super cute way to look at it also <laughs> That is that is um, stupidly cute, <laughs> and I, I I hate you for even bringing it up. You're um, so for my take on a self love spell in true Nick form, I'm presenting one of my homebrews. Uh, so this is actually an adaptation from a very disastrous experiment I did when I was a baby witch that ended up having unexpectedly strong results, all things considered but still ended up being a huge learning curve. And I'm actually going to talk about this a little bit later on when we do questionable witchy practice and talk about um, how love spells can go wrong. Yeah, uh, I was about to say, because I know what you're talking about here. Uh, but so the materials are very simple and uh, you're going to need one novel, one pink votive candle and a pen, preferably a black ink pen. Um, that's just my preference. And um, I wrote the spell, so... Black ink it is. Uh, the novel is going to have to be something that is very personal and specific to you as the caster. So I can't tell you which book to pick, but I'm asking for nothing less than the story of love that you find the most compelling, real, honest, raw, self-sacrificing, grand, rule-breaking, and exceptional love. Hmm. Yeah, this probably isn't the time for one of your True Blood books. No, absolutely <laughs> not. This is not the time to break Twilight out. 
And um, I know this is where I'm going to hear the collective gasp, but um, I'm going to ask you to deface this book by gently tearing out the last blank page. So you know the one between the last page of the actual book and the uh, the end. There's usually a couple of blank pages, or at the very least, there's there's the one with like the little paragraph about the author, and um, that one works fine as well because you only need one side. Uh, but <laughs> I know I have to say I saw that Nick and I did gasp. I was like, I, oh! I, I knew you would. I knew you would because uh, you know. As as the Hermione Granger of our crew, um, <laughs> your love and respect for books goes above and beyond. But it does. for okay, so but worth I, it, honestly worth it. The idea here, though, is that you have spent hours with this book, and you're just charging it with your own romantic fantasies, which is where this spell is going to get all of its juice. So if you really wanted to pack a wall up, you kind of have to sacrifice that last page of a book i know it's hard i've done it and i i you can still read those books you know the last page is missing and you know why uh and so that's kind of you know that's kind of fun in and of itself a little reminder yeah Uh, and if you're crazy like me i think you could also break out like a little exacto knife so it's mm -hmm. a very clean it's a clean edge that you You don't have to think absolutely cut it out with an exacto knife and then you don't even have to worry about that little jagged uh leftover piece where the glue is yeah so on your end paper we're writing three times across i am worthy of all the love that this page represents and then we're rotating 90 degrees again and writing across that i am strong enough to stand alone and then we're rotating 90 degrees again i have the wisdom to give this gift of love to myself. And so we're mm. folding that up. So it's it's going to kind of look like plaid with all the lines crisscrossed with each other, which we've kind of gone over that process before with a different, different spell. Um, folding it up small enough to fit under your votive candle. Seal it with your own initials, or you could do a sigil here, or a rune, something appropriate. Your initials is the way that it's written though so you know improvise at your own risk <laughs> um <laughs> we can't be held so, responsible for what happens if you improvise that's or, true. honestly for anything ever we can't be held responsible yeah no liability um <laughs> but um so folding it small enough to fit under your votive candle which i i specifically a pink votive candle if you go to the grocery store in texas or california they have those altar candles, which come in the whole rainbow of colors. They're like a buck twenty-five. Place it somewhere conspicuous, because the whole idea of self-love is that it's not something. It 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 is a public thing. It's like a public declaration, declaration that I I love myself. Like I put myself first, and that's really something that I think people get lost on, is. Like, you don't have to feel bad for putting yourself first. And this is not like a like a capitalist manifesto kind of situation. But like in life, in the day-to-day grind, you absolutely have to put yourself first. Even if you're in a relationship, 
Yeah, that's I was going to say, I think this is a perfect spell too. like the I'm strong enough to stand alone. That's not just about like being single. It's like this no. is all about like loving yourself, no matter whether or not you're with someone else. Like you don't have to rely on someone else to give you the love that you deserve because you're capable of giving it to yourself. Mm. Yes. And so put it somewhere conspicuous because this is a conspicuous statement and it should be a conspicuous statement. So your altar is fine, but your bedside table or your coffee table or somewhere where you're going to be able to see it, think about it and utilize it is even better. Um, And so the idea here is to light this candle while you are practicing self-care, but also when that nagging voice in your head is just going a bit too hard and you need to ground yourself for a moment in your love for yourself, place a drop of your favorite essential oil in the hot wax and it's called self-love, so it should be your favorite, and breathe deeply the love that you have for yourself and ground yourself in that and tell, tell that bitch to shut up. I love this. I love this spell so much too, because it's like, you know, it's not a like self-love isn't a destination, right? It's like a journey. And I feel like your spell that you've created here, I think illustrates it so perfectly because it's like not you have to a come one and back done. to it and sit with it more yeah. than just one time. Exactly. Like it's a, and if you've done all that, replace the candle. Yeah. When it burns out, like literally replace that candle. Keep it going. You yeah. know, it's it, it's not a one and done. It's like something like you should be practicing self-care more often than once or twice a week even. So this candle yeah. should burn out. I want this candle to burn out. You want this candle to burn out. Yeah. And a reminder that self-care isn't just like doing a mud mask and taking a bath. You know, it's like if you're gardening and you love that or you're, you know, cleaning out your kitchen because, you know, that's something you've really needed to do and it's been like bugging you. All of these things can also be self-care because I feel like so many people get like caught up in self-care has to look like one thing. Right. It's also doing nothing. If you have been through a lot and you need to say no to someone, if you need to cancel a plan, if you need to just go to your room and enjoy some alone time, that is self-care. Yeah, 100%. Like, And you need to let yourself do that because regardless of what any outside perspective is on that, like everyone needs that from time to time. And you shouldn't feel bad for doing that. Like That is self-care. Like, you're not a failure for canceling something because you didn't have the energy to do it. In fact, you're taking care of yourself so that you have the energy to do the things you need to do tomorrow. Yeah. And especially in a place like the U.S. and I think in a lot of the Western world, it is truly like a radical move to prioritize rest and taking care of yourself. And witches are fucking radicals, man. As we should be. Exactly. The world needs it (laughs) and we need it. So that brings us to something a little more fun and a little less serious. Um, So we're talking about questionable love magics. And so like hot on the heels of my homebrew, since I did mention it, I wanted to talk about this thing that I did as a baby witch, 
which had truly disastrous consequences. And so without getting too much into the backstory, because Shannon, I mean, I know you know the story, but I don't want to give like too much of, oh, yeah. of it away. No, totally. Uh, so that maybe if the person that, I, that I'm talking about was listening, they would not know that it's them. Yeah, uh, no, 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 for sure. I just, I was just, when you mentioned this and I saw the spell, I was like, oh yeah, no, I love the way though that you took something that had some trauma attached to it and you've recrafted it into something beautiful. And like, what is more self-loving than that? Right. Um, so the way that a love spell can blow up in your face is usually that you achieve something closer to obsession and confusion than actual romantic love. And uh, never mind the very real issue of consent, the universe definitely doesn't play around with this kind of stuff and it will come back to bite you in the ass uh and i have experienced this firsthand and um if you're interested in this at all you know you can ask me about it via a dm but uh you see a lot of this though on pinterest and reddit and places where lots of baby witches are known to hang out and i am here to tell you from experience don't fuck around with it at all. Uh, and here is something I do want to differentiate between uh, spells that are to make a specific person fall for you, bad. Uh, something to attract suitors with specific traits is fine and doesn't mess around with other people's consent. Yeah, um, because it's, again, it's like that's more about some action that you can take as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, messing with somebody else's choices. Right. So if anything, look for something that boosts your natural magnetism, as that can be effective and, most of all, safer. Yeah. Uh, so I also wanted to take a minute to talk about another romance-related thing that I see time and time again on Twitter, especially, uh, and that is the channeled love message. Oh, my God. I'm like, if there was audio for eye rolling, insert uh, here. Right. I, I, I just thinking of like the gif of Liz Lemon. Like, yes. Doing the, the big eye roll. Yep. Here. So it usually goes something like your person is going to make their move this week after weighing out the pros and cons. Or maybe it's something like you may have had a falling out with this person, but they're ready to talk. And uh, these vague messages are usually from pages that are promoting paid tarot readings. And honestly, if any aspect of this is questionable, it's that. It's like um, there's other ways to promote your, your tarot readings than kind of going for desperate people. Like, yeah, these like desperate people that are, actually reading into this and they're like they you know they do their little comment they're like i claim this oh, and it's like yeah oh, it's very vague you it's know it's like poor baby angel like it is there's something that's just so despicable about taking advantage of people that are in pain exactly and you know it's like that comes up you know when we talk about it time and time again one of the things that just drives me insane is when people take advantage of those situations when someone is in pain when they're sad like when they're really at rock bottom 
Like, that is not the time to come in and try to sell them something. No. God, no. That's that's not the time to invite them to be in your MLM. Because I think we as witches believe that all of that is going to come back to you. Yeah. At the very least, come back to you. And some beliefs come back to you threefold. So yeah, fucking I mean, watch it. It's like it, it's, it's going to come back to you. It's probably going to come back to you times three. Yeah. Because you're fucking you're fucking with the wrong energies here when you're taking advantage of people. Like, yeah, there's a reason Donald Trump is so fugly. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, and it's like people are desperate to hear good news about their love lives, and they're gonna read whatever signs you put out as being specific to their situation, regardless of how much mental gymnastics is involved. Like, yeah. they will talk themselves into thinking that this is about them. Because they're desperate to hear it. And, and it's, it, it really is like the, these have no more value than a fucking fortune cookie. Right. And, you know, it's like I've seen more reputable tarot people on the Internet do like pick a pile. Yeah. Like pick a pile readings are fun. Or like we do a tarot scope. Yeah. Which is like a one card draw for a specific zodiac sign. We're also not trying to sell anything. No. And it's like we're meditating still on like the sign that we're drawing for or like we're right. focusing intention on something specific with this. It's not like, hey, come pay $100 for my like three tarot card spread for you because I've hooked you with this like message that's tempting you. And it's also like right. if someone's going to do that, they're also likely not a very reputable like tarot mm -hmm. reader either. So I would just steer clear Ugh. yeah it's kind of like that like the used car lot with like the really flashy commercial yeah and then they come in and sell you like a you know like an 85 camaro with a bunk transmission but you're like but it's a beautiful car yeah <laughs> exactly exactly Ugh. so i do feel like though sometimes just kind of closing out our questionable witchy practices for a week that sometimes it does feel like we go after stuff that's trendy for younger witches and I would just say sometimes technology and magic don't exactly synthesize the greatest products and processes. So it's not like a personal thing. Like it's not like a culture. It's not a culture war between like younger and older witches or no. like less experienced and more experienced witches. I just think there's a certain propensity for technology to take advantage like this technology to be used to take advantage of people yes uh more than other practices so we kind yeah. of come back to it a lot there's just so much questionable witchy shit on the internet and that it's it's not like a personal thing you know yeah. like we don't we don't hate the witches of witch talk we no. just we just think it's weird and bad to try and hex the moon and the fae. Yes. I, I mean, you know, sometimes y'all just don't have the best ideas. Yeah. So we have, um, we're talking about goddess energy, though. We to are. To, like, round out this episode. Yeah. And I feel like this is um such an interesting follow-up to the conversations about the problems of love magic and self-love. So, of course, like, Aphrodite or Venus immediately came to mind when I was thinking about, you know, romance and the deities associated with it. And it's probably only partially because we talked about the birth of Venus, the Botticelli painting uh, during our sea-themed episode a few weeks ago. Um, right, Aphrodite lady 
seashell yeah, bikini. Exactly. So garden panty <laughs> Venus. I was um I was writing basically in my notes. I was like, well, you know, like Venus is the Roman version of Aphrodite. And then I realized that we've never actually talked about the history of Greek and Roman mythology and like why there's so much overlap there. And I, I just want to do like a bit of a quick detour because I thought this would maybe be helpful for people who aren't sort of like already aware of this situation. Um, so the year is 146 BC, the Romans invade Greece. So at that time, the Roman Empire didn't really have like a super fleshed out mythology, you know, for their people like the Greeks did. And of course, you know, Americans know this well. Uh, there's a reason there's a fucking Starbucks in every country. It's because cultural assimilation really helps solidify your conquest. So <laughs> the Greek education system was also like truly exceptional. It was so much better than the Roman education system. And in a terrible fucking twist, Romans actually had like captured Greek scholars tutor their kids. So because Greek literature was also so superior to Roman lit, the Romans adopted a lot of their work and like a lot of stuff that, you know, they were reading about and teaching the kids about happened to be about Greek gods. And also just like, can you fucking imagine like you're this amazing, intelligent scholar and you fucking get conquered and now you've got to like tutor the brats of the barbarians who conquered you. Um, I mean, that's very, very ironic. Yeah. And so this like kind of marriage of like Roman and Greek literature because of the education systems really melting together caused a lot of cross pollination with the Greek and Roman deities to like put it nicely. Um, the Romans, for what it's worth, didn't only steal gods from Greece. They also snagged like, you know, they took quote unquote inspiration from places like Egypt and a lot of Middle Eastern countries. Um, and I, I am being vague with Middle Eastern countries. And I just want to like qualify that I'm not trying to be like a shitty American in this instance, but like the countries and boundaries have shifted a lot in the Middle East over, you know, the last 2000 years. Um, so that's why I'm just leaving it at Middle Eastern countries. But essentially, the Romans very much did what the U.S. has done. And they understood that like building an empire is one thing, but a cultural empire is really the most powerful. And so the U.S. has definitely taken a lot from that. And to say that they um, took inspiration, I think is also like overly generous to the Romans. It was fucking shitty. They were. It's like pla it's plagiarism. It's plagiarism. It's like if you want to talk about like cultural appropriation, um, this is that. So anyway, all of that to say after that, like little detour, I just wanted people to be aware because I think it can be kind of confusing, like why they have so many gods and goddesses that are essentially the same between the two. Yeah, it's like it's like even like the the, the details of the stories. Yeah, are yeah. The same. And and it's it's plagiarism. It's plagiarism. It's not because, oh, the, you know, the Romans and the Greeks came up with these ideas at the same time. No, it's because the Romans stole it. So anyway, onwards to Aphrodite. 
So Aphrodite was a primordial creature said to have been born out of an endless black night before the beginning of the world, setting the scene. Spooky backstory. Right? Um, so Aphrodite, for the goddess that is so associated with love and romance, has a really fucking ghastly birth story. So the earth goddess, Gaia, was fed up with her joyless sex life with her husband's son, Uranus, or Uranus. Uranus, uh, or Uranus, depending on the pronunciation. Anyway, Uranus is, that's where the planet Uranus name comes from. Anyway. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So the sex, though, this like shitty sex with Uranus left Gaia permanently pregnant with all like the little god and goddesses like trapped inside of her, which fucking ouch. Um, So one day Gaia persuades one of her other sons, Kronos, to help her out. So Kronos, you know, like all good sons do, uh, basically chopped off his dad's erect penis and threw the dick and balls into the sea. So oh my god. Like wow. no, no, uh, there's no over no overreaching there at all. That's a very logical response to your mom having a bad sex life. Uh, so what was, the, what was the lady that did that uh to her husband? It was like something bad in. Oh, is it Sh- Sharon? Oh my god, what is it? Something Babbitt, the one who cut off her husband's dick and threw it out the window. Um, oh my god, is it hold on, I'm googling this uh lorena babbitt lorena babbitt yes yeah. oh god okay yes lorena babbitt cut off her husband's dick so chronos went all lorena babbitt on his father uranos and once the once the dick and balls hit the sea uh, a boiling foam started up and from this frothing sea spume rose a goddess uh, so this boiling mass, which was, you know, Aphrodite, proceeds to travel on to Cyprus. Uh, so despite her violent and salty start, right? Salty. Mm-hmm. Um, salty lady. <laughs> the young goddess performed a miracle basically as soon as she stepped onto dry land. So everywhere that she walked, plants and flowers sprung up beneath her feet. Um, and so she was born from like abuse and suffering, Uh, And because of that, she's described not just as like the goddess of mortal love, but also as like the deity of both the cycle of life and of life itself. And so that sort of ties back to that initial miracle, right? It's like, she is also the goddess of the life cycle, which I think is a really a beautiful way to think about Aphrodite as well. And an alternate myth suggested that Aphrodite was like, the daughter of Zeus and a sea nymph, uh, Dion, but that's not nearly as cool. Um, and that's the version that Homer told in the Iliad. So like, fuck off Homer. We're not going with that. Um, many gods also believed that Aphrodite's beauty was so intense that a war would erupt over her. So Zeus being, you know, fucking Zeus, decided to marry Aphrodite to um, Hephaestus, literally because he was ugly. So Zeus thought he wasn't as much of a threat. So of course you like you, one does not simply become the goddess of love without collecting a horde of lovers. Um, And Aphrodite's lovers included both gods and men, uh, including the god Ares, a, and, and the mortal um, Anchises. So she also plays a role in the story of Eros and Psyche, which I think at some point we should definitely cover. But Psyche basically uh, 
there were some admirers, right, of Psyche who basically neglected to worship Aphrodite and instead were worshiping Psyche. And because that could not stand Aphrodite. Absolutely not. Right. Aphrodite enlisted Eros, otherwise known as Cupid, to exact her revenge. But instead of that, uh, fucking Cupid falls in love with Psyche and boo, hiss. Uh, Aphrodite didn't get her way there. So... It's very rude. It's I very know. Rude that it's... he was supposed to be helping her. And instead, okay, you know what? Yeah, it's like instead he needed to get typical, his little like. Typical man. Right? It's typical like, man. Getting your dick wet was more important than the one job you had to do. Fucking and, man. And literally, you're Cupid, too. Yeah. Like, you you're... could have helped out with this one thing. Yep. Ugh. It's so frustrating. Men have always been the worst. Um, we we do love men, but they are also the worst. So later, Aphrodite was both Adonis's lover and his surrogate mother, because this is ancient Greece. Uh, and that led to a feud with Persephone, in which Zeus decreed Adonis should spend half of the year with Aphrodite and half of the year with Persephone. So there are a lot of stories basically about about uh, Aphrodite, but I just wanted to highlight a few of my faves. So I've talked about a couple of them. Um, also, Aphrodite owned a girdle that was said to have contained all of her enchantments. So Hera borrowed it to seduce Zeus once in order to distract him from the Trojan War. So nothing is sexier than a girdle. Yeah, God. Girdles are hot. Uh, <laughs> Aphrodite here. Ladies, listen up. Right. Okay, you heard it here first. Girdles are <laughs> back. Girdles are back in 2021. Um, <laughs> so another time, Aphrodite, Hera, and Athena were the top three contenders for a gold apple marked for the fairest because there was no way that was going to go wrong. Um, oh they God. asked Zeus to judge the contest, but honestly, like, he was kind of fucking right for once and he refused there's no winning in that situation um oh yeah oh so what that's that's pressure right uh so paris who is the son of the king of troy judged the contest instead and each of the three goddesses promised him something in return to deem them the fairest and he chose aphrodite as the winner of the apple um and the story of the judgment of paris was considered to be the real reason behind the Trojan War. So, you know, fun stuff. I mean, she doesn't fuck around. No, God, she is like the goddess of love, but also life its fucking self. She does what she wants. So right. some associations with her are scallops, shells, girdles, <laughs> mirrors, you know, aphrodisiacs, like, Prayer stones, golden apples, the evening star, the number five, the ocean, and triangles. Those last two, though, those are like, those are, those are big things to me. Hello. Yeah, I was like, big Nick energy? Um, the plants are rose, myrtle, quince, mint, and grape, inc including like fruit, leaves, vines, wine, um, of course, apples, again, artichokes, and then laurel, ash, and poplar trees. 
some gemstones that are associated with her are pearls, of course. I'm, I'm loving I'm loving the seashell theme though. I like, know, right? Like we really we really get a taste of that seashell theme. Oh yeah, because you know, sea glass is also associated with her aquamarine, jade, sapphire, rose quartz, amethyst. Um, the animals, I love that the dolphin is included here. Uh, in addition to like doves and sparrows and swans and goats, um... you know that could be that could be like the wine thing though because oh, Dionysus you're right. has you're right. the goat thing and the wine thing. I you know maybe maybe they, I mean I'm just I'm just kind of like guessing here, but maybe there's something to the fact that if you were growing grapes, you might have a few goats. I'm gonna go with that. Uh, we just you know, we just discovered this. Nick and I speak are to, speak to what you know. Ancient historians, <laughs> um, and also bees. Though bees are also associated with Aphrodite, so I'm like imagining honey would also be a great offering for her. Yeah. So the sense or mead. Oh, oh my god, mead! You're getting honey, and you're getting wine, and you're getting fucking mead. Most importantly. Um, the scents are, of course, like rose, verbena, vanilla, vervain, and musk. And I love musk. Like, oh, a good musky perfume is like the bomb. Um, and then the colors, of course, pink, red, white, violet, pale green or seafoam green and any shade of light blue. So lots of like ocean water themes here. And so when you're working on spells around like love, self-love, Sex magic. I'm getting, the, I'm getting the like cancer associations though. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Like I, 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 I mean, I know it's like Venus. You would think like Taurus and Libra. Oh, we're, we're kind of. So the three for the rose was what Taurus, Libra, Cancer. Yeah, yeah. And like, and like with this Aphrodite slash Venus, I'm like getting the big cancer vibes oh yeah no 100 percent. so you know if you're working this like self-love spell you know maybe you do leave a little offering out for aphrodite you know she'd be a great goddess to like call upon her goddess energy in your self-love work well and we actually talked about this when we were talking about doing like a self-love bath in a previous episode about yeah. how rose quartz has very strong ties to self-love yes yes and that's also associated with aphrodite so just another reason to bring some rose quartz into your into your spell crafting yeah it's also real cute and real pretty um mm -hmm. so yeah i think she's a great she's a great goddess to work with um i used the smithsonian website as one of my resources which was great because i am a nerd um and then of course greek gods and goddesses.net and vocal.media had some really interesting stuff as well i GreekGodsAndGoddesses.net. Uh, not a paid advertisement. No, literally, always comes up when I'm doing my research. Well, yeah, for the, especially for the deity profiles, and it's like, it's informative. It's like Wikipedia, but it's just Greek gods and goddesses. Yeah, and it's a it's a great resource. It's it's just like Wikipedia in that it's a great place to start your research because it's like a mm. good overview. Right. And then you could be like, well, I want to know more about this little blur. Yeah. It's like, I want to know more about Aphrodite's girdle. 
Let me dig <laughs> I, in. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's just for fun, you know, ne- never mind what we're doing for the show. I'll I just... know. Yeah, no, it's really, it's really good. But yeah, so I think that brings us close to the end. So Nick, you're, uh, you're going to take us through to the finish. So this week, we have our taroscope for all of our Pisces babies. Woo! And um, it's the Six of Cups. And so I was actually really excited to draw this for the Pisces babies. It's almost your season. It's not. I mean, we're still like halfway through Aquarius season, but it's almost your season. Your season's coming up. So some good news. So this card is all about happy memories and nostalgia, and it may indicate that you are reconnecting with something in your past in a positive way or making a fresh start with someone. So it's also like that, that in bulk energy, like looking for the first signs of spring, you know, it's like that new sprout. You know, so there's that new sprout in your life. There's that new spark of life in you. Or maybe it's like the nostalgia is bringing out like something from your past that is just like giving you life. Mm. Um, it could also mean like reconnecting with your own inner child through a playful mood or interactions with an actual child or children. Uh, and or, so a is, <laughs> or, or a kitten or or a kitten which actually you know shout out i am getting a kitten tomorrow Woo! it is finally happening baby Faye. oh my god i'm um, so excited she is beautiful i made her little stairs today because she's coming home right after her spays so she can't jump oh. um so you know i'm kind of i'm going through that through a little bit of six of cups energy myself right now um this is also uh, just a good time to be mindful of the lessons that we could learn from the innocence in the world. Open-mindedness, celebrating small victories, being ready for an adventure around any corner, and the ability to move on easily from our more serious defeats and tragedies. Oh, yeah. It's like, have you ever watched a toddler eat it? They, like, hop yeah. up and they move on. They might even cry for a second. But then yeah. they're done. And then they're just like, cool, so, never happened. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I would say to my Pisces babies out there, channel some of that energy this week by watching a beloved movie from your childhood, reconnecting with a childhood friend you've been meaning to reach out to, or, you know, maybe let yourself have pancakes for dinner or take your dog to the park and have like a really fun Frisbee game. Oh, so cute. Um, you know, but connecting the past and present is going to bring you harmony at this time. Connect with your inner child. We actually, we had this a uh, very similar one recently. And I just think, you know, like that's coming up this season for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. And I, when Nick texted me today, so again, this is Monday when Nick texted me that he got the six of cups for Pisces. I, first of all, I have a Pisces moon, so I was really excited to see something for Pisces, but I also happen to have drawn the six of cups literally on Friday. I like double checked my journal. I had just drawn this card for myself. So it feels very much like that, that energy is definitely around for Pisces. And I think for me, if you're talking about like self love this episode, for me, this can also be about like reconnecting to the positive things in your childhood. Like 
you know, I personally have gone through a lot of trauma and I know lots of people that have. And I think it's really easy to just like completely put your childhood in like a box in the corner as like all oh, one oh, big package it? of like drama and negativity. Um, I was like, it's like what you had said that I loved was that you, you shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, exactly. Keep like your inner baby because you know, it's like a very personal example for me. I often deal with like imposter syndrome, which is I know totally not um, uncommon. But for me, you know, doing things like this podcast and like really getting out there with like my work with like plants and nature, you know, it's always I always feel a little bit insecure, like so many people do. But for me, I was able to like reconnect to some of the happy memories I do have from my childhood and remembering that all of those were in nature. And, you know, I've always enjoyed like being outside near like creeks and in forests, you know, hanging out with the Fae. And it was so important for me too to just like connect to those very happy childhood memories because it also gave me some validation for my present moment. And I think that there's so much like power in that, especially this time of year. Yes. And then also, you know, just kind of like with that idea of channeling your inner child, it is so much harder to stay soft and vulnerable and open than it is to be like this jaded adult person yeah none of those things it's easy to be a cynic optimism is hard yes so hold on to that yeah and especially to all the pisces but to everyone but especially to the pisces hold on to that yeah channel that a little bit this week totally so i think that's that's it (laughs) so if you want to uh shoot us an email follow us on instagram uh send us a bag of rubies it's uh, all at wands and fronds pod that's our instagram wands and fronds pod at gmail um please send us a bag of rubies yeah we would love some rubies um if you can't do rubies i also mentioned this last time and i'm gonna also drop it again it's like if you're a listener we love you download the episode if you don't have time to go rate and review just downloading the episode is amazingly important and it is again kind of a silly thing but it matters when you're podcasting um if you could rate and review we would love that too it really does help other people find us and we want to know what you guys like and what we can do better and five stars preferable yeah and you know again you know if you live in atlantis <gasps> yeah, drop us an we invite. Also mention, drop us an invite. Uh, because that would be pretty neat as well. But to all of the witches, to all of the bitches, I think we have one thing we like to say to you every week, and that is blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. Goodbye. Bye now. Girdles are hot.